All right, this is it. It's time for the second episode of the second season of the number one New York Times bestseller, The West Noise, starring Keaton Franklin and whoever he happens to spam via email. Usually I script this part, and I don't know. After the first episode's intro, it just felt kind of lacking. So here I am. Just going off. Um, I got a shit ton on my mind as of late. Pertaining to the podcast, I've just been really trying to figure out my selling point for it because a lot of shows that are popular have actual themes and topics and, um, you know, weight. And I'm just a 19-year-old who is uh, spitting out whatever I learned in philosophy class that day. So, yeah, um, I guess I guess the theme is going to have to be just me learning is the point. And to sound the least pretentious that I possibly can in that time. And uh, speaking of philosophy, I've been thinking a lot about... <sighs> you know what? I've been thinking a lot about thinking and, and what what I actually need to be saying and when I'm just completely wasting my breath. And right now, I don't feel like I need to say anything about philosophy, if I'm being honest. I'm just learning about people from Greece and also some Indian culture. The Indian stuff's really cool because I'm learning about um, something wildly different from anything I've ever learned, whether it be in religion or philosophy, because India kind of blurs the line with that. But I was... Um, I was raised Catholic, so I'm used to a very Western idea of religion, and Indian philosophy kind of merges the two. But we've been talking a lot about the mind and consciousness, and I watch, we watched this like hour-long video on this um, this woman named Gangaji, and she was basically just trying to elaborate what is called the invitation, which is. Th- in the invitation to you to realize what you really are, which is completely void of anything that you are used to knowing. And that basically means like the pills you need to take and the time you need to be work need to be to work and the car that you drive and the people that you talk to and the story that you're telling basically is what she was saying is the story that you're telling yourself every day of like, I am Keaton, I'm waking up, this is what I'm doing today, these are my prospects, this is what I aim to do, yada yada. None of that is actually you. And the only thing that is you is the actual thing observing all of that in a very, very removed manner. So it's not even like your subconscious, like the mind is completely different from what she is trying to get at, I believe. And it's really, really hard to wrap your mind around that because I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm grasping what she's getting at, but I'm not totally, like, I can't take it seriously because I feel like there's a faith involved with that because once you tell yourself, okay, I am this enlightened, not here, not now feeling like there's there's nothing else. And what it came to me is, the image that came to me when we watched it is that there's this small colorless light just above my head 
watching me do everything and that's me but even that is an abstraction and a and I'm, I'm concretizing that itself so i don't know um so i just stopped for a second to think about what the hell i'm saying and not only did i realize that i i i said i wasn't going to say anything on philosophy and then i went off on this tangent but what i was saying about this consciousness and the fact that i'm i'm still projecting onto it by i'm still trying to give it some sort of rational explanation like like i said the colorless light but i still think that's defeating the purpose of what it's trying to say and it just sounds so vague and backwards because she just kept talking about it's nothing you have to realize that it's nothing and that it, and she kept saying the truth this is the truth and there's like lowercase truth which is what i was saying about telling telling ourselves this story and then there's the capital truth which is the greater the greater thing that i'm trying to talk about and i don't know i was just really trying to grasp with it and we're talking a lot about meditation and i think the only way to get to that is to meditate and we've been referencing a lot this possibility of not thinking and that being what meditation is and that being what yoga is and all of this and i don't know if i'm able to make that happen and i realize i've never tried to meditate I've never like I've never actually sat and tried to think nothing at once. I don't know if it's just because I'm so antsy or anxious or what it is, but I haven't. And I'm really really looking forward to doing that and I plan on reading this Tibetan book on 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 how to control your dreams. And I just imagine that that's going to change my life completely. Like China believes that we don't have um 12 to 16 hours of waking life and then we just lose a third of our lifetime sleeping they believe that we have full consciousness all of the time for the entirety of our lives and they learn how to control their dreams and actually what is you know lucid dreaming which is kind of tumblery and people are like oh i lucid dream but like it's an actual it's an actual practice in that seriousness not as a novelty but as a way of life and I feel like once you have that, it can just be, I just feel like it's life-changing because dreams are, I, I certainly believe that they're to be read into. I just don't exactly know how. And I, I definitely want to learn more about that. And I've only lucid dreamt once. It was actually last year. My first year of college was when I first did it. And it was completely by accident. And I was just in this bathroom and my hand was on the sink and I felt this sort of suction and I knew in that moment that it was completely real and then I left that room and I started walking around this house and I was opening doors and seeing my family and my friends and I couldn't do anything I couldn't speak I couldn't touch them I couldn't really affect anything except going to these doors but I knew exactly what I was doing and I was in complete control of it and that was so strange and that alone changed my perspective on just waking life in general and the idea of what reality is and blah, blah blah so yeah i don't know what my point of all that was uh maybe maybe i'm i'm just i'm taking i've always had a sort of philosophy that or okay let me think how to phrase this lately within the past two to three years i would say as i've become a more of a person 
I've just taken life less and less seriously due to whatever existential uh, points you you'd like to make. Um, just the fact that I don't I don't put a lot of weight in everything that's here and all the material items and and I don't get I, I find it really hard to get actually stressed about a lot of things. I can get frustrated, but to get legitimately like consistently upset or for a long period of time, it's just difficult because nothing matters much. Um, and not in a sad way that, oh, the sun's going to burn out one day and no one's, the the last person that has the ability to remember anything is going to die, so there's not going to be anything. Not like that, just that, um, it's just okay. It's all okay. And at the end of the day, everyone's in the same boat, so there's just no need for me to worry or freak out or feel that I have some sort of special need to be upset and of course this is different for everyone but this is at least what I've been trying to tell myself and I get really worried about not fame because I don't I really think I've completely lost any any desire for fame as as modern western civilization knows it but I I would like notoriety in the way that I'd, I'd love to connect with other people if my words in my work and my art that I tend to or I plan to create will affect people and that way I I would love it to be the case but I I don't have this desire to be known just for the sake of being known or to be followed or anything like that I think it'd be cool to know but it just doesn't seem to be everything that everything that we fetishize it to be so yeah I I think that's good for now um I have a lot to unpack this season, so I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm making really big steps, and I'm I'm really proud of, of what I'm doing, even if only 100 people are still listening to this, or less than that, or 20 people, or 5 people, or just any of it. I, I'm glad I'm doing something, and I'm writing my book, and I'm, I think I'm going to start filming soon, and uh, I'm just doing everything I can to make my life feel like it's not static. So yeah, if you listen to this, I I really appreciate it. I know I say that often, but I cannot stress it enough because it, it blows my mind to imagine that even one person besides what my parents or my best friends listen to this. That That's incredible to me if that's the case, so thank you. And I haven't done this because, I don't know, I've been shy or I just haven't put a lot of weight on it, but if if someone is listening to this, I would greatly appreciate you just sharing it whether it be socially or just with a friend, one person, just letting them know about it, if you if you like it. If not, I would love to hear criticisms or to be told to stop. <laughs> I would I'd love to hear that. But yeah, um, I haven't asked before, but if you if you could, if you appreciate the show and, and find, find merit in it, I would love for it to be shared with other people because I'd like a bigger audience to hear the things that I say so I can try to learn more. And I can try to maybe help others feel any kind of way. That'd be nice. My guest today, enough about myself, Keaton. You, <laughs> My guest today is incredible. Um, the, the ex-lead singer of Magical Clouds, a band who I have loved for many years, Devin Welsh, has come out with a solo album called Dream Songs. And it's just phenomenal. It sounds so bright and so different from Magical Clouds. And his lyricism, his, sorry, his lyricism is just poignant and 
his voice is unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I got the chance to go see him actually in in Detroit at L Club, and we got to meet, and I got a record, and we got pictures, and it was it was really surreal because not only do I love the dude, but um, the concert was incredible. He hit every note, and it sounded better than even the record, and I just couldn't believe it. It was it was amazing. But it was the first time I'd ever met someone that I'd interviewed on the podcast, and that was so bizarre for me because I don't know. I felt like oh, this is kind of cool, and I didn't. I was on the guest list for the show, and it just felt kind of special. And I don't know. I'm trying to make connections like that, and I'm really appreciative of anybody that takes the time to speak with me because I'm just some dude. And Devin did that for me. And I, I'd i like to think that we'll be good friends. So that's my plan, and that's my goal, and my my mission statement is to to say what I mean and to possibly help others feel any sort of way, whether it's people my age that are lost or curious about what I have to say or can relate in any way at all, or even older folks who may get a perspective on um, on what it's like to be a 19-year-old in the time that we are now. Haven't even spoken on the time we're in now, my God. That'll be another time. Um, I try not to be negative. I try not to be pessimistic. More than More often than not, I just turn a blind eye, and maybe that's a problem too. But anyways, yeah, uh, I hope that if you listen to this, you stay, and I hope you learn something, and I hope that you enjoy listening to two people discuss things. And please share it if you can. Thank you so much. Here's my talk with Devin Welsh. Canada. I've only been once or twice. I haven't. I haven't really given it a full look. Um, it's very big, and <laughs> uh, I like it a lot. Um, it's, there's many different kind of aspects to Canada. I feel like Canada on the East Coast and Canada on the West Coast are really different in terms of culture and really. Everything. In between is pretty different as well. I like that. I like to hear that. How was your birthday? Yeah, uh, it was good. It was. Uh, I spent it kind of uh, not having a party or anything like that. <laughs> just kind of um, doing regular things, but just kind of reflecting <laughs> on. I feel it you. Being my birthday and kind of taking it easy, uh, but it was, it was a good day. I. In the past, I've had parties, and um, something about birthday parties can be kind of stressful. I mean, I feel like it kind of becomes not about you anymore. Like at, at one point, <laughs> like it's yeah, your, yeah, it's your party, but yeah, and especially if it's a lot of different people that are maybe not necessarily people that would be hanging out right um, naturally. Right. Then it just becomes this whole thing. Leader, and I don't know. I just didn't feel like doing that this year. I felt kind of like, I'll, I'll take that energy and kind of <laughs> put it, uh, give it to myself. Yeah, for sure. So, Dream Songs 
it's wonderful i just want to say thank you it's very special and very um honest if if that if that seems accurate it feels very honest yeah for sure i i guess it is i didn't really think about that until <laughs> i guess it came out <laughs> i mean i guess i was trying to make me think that was coming from an honest place but i i didn't really consider that that would be uh, <laughs> kind of like a, a major aspect of how it would be received but i think right. when releasing music you never really know what the kind of big picture feeling about it is going to be yeah for sure you. yeah and i definitely hear like because i've i've been a magical clouds fan for some time now and I definitely hear a difference, like, with this album in comparison to those. Not only with just sonically, just like the strings and how it just sounds like more hopeful, but the lyrics especially. It's just, you seem very optimistic on it. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I was, I don't really know how to explain why that's the case, but other than just I guess that was something that was in my mind over the couple of years when I was working on the songs for that album. Um, just had a different different angle on things. Mm-hmm. Do you... I, I, I've always wondered this question. Do you, like, ever go back and listen to, like, Magical Clouds or even that one project that you put out by yourself? Like, do you go back and compare or like try to better it or do you just kind of make the projects on its own and not even touch the last stuff i don't really ever listen back i i listen to it a lot when i'm making it and then when i'm mixing it and working on it to make sure that it's uh you know Mm -hmm. what i think it should be and then once it's out i i feel like i've almost met it I've, I've almost never intentionally listened to my old albums. I don't know if that's normal or wow. if that's unusual. But I mean, I'm not a musician, but I I write a lot, and I like to go back and look at like entries from years in the past. But that's yeah. But that's also different because it's not it's not something that I'm putting out for multiple people to see. You know, so I'm I'm not sure. That's yeah, that's curious. That's the thing. I, I do the same thing with writing too. Like I love to to go back and and reread old things that I've done, old journals or old pieces of writing. Like I find that really interesting and not um, complicated. But maybe it does have to do with releasing it for for everyone to engage with if they want to. I feel like that's definitely an aspect because I'll I'll always be interested in like finding old pieces of music that I had forgotten about but then once something's actually released something about that process just makes me feel like okay it's gone now I don't really need to put any kind of like it's it's kind of changed what it means to me that's kind of special because like in in that way you're like truly being an artist because you're just you're giving it like you're giving it away kind of is what it sounds like that's that's really curious. Yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. I remember having that feeling because the first time that I ever released music where it really felt like it was actually released was when Impersonator came out, 
and I started to remember having a lot of those kinds of feelings and experiences for the first time. And when we went on tour, on our first headlining tour, uh, playing a show and people were singing the lyrics to a couple of the songs. And um, Was that strange? And I remember, I remember, yeah, it being really strange because it was, and now if that were to happen, it wouldn't be so strange, but the first time that it happened, it was weird because it, it was like, these were things that <laughs> I had written right. for and- my from my own voice and now other people are singing them back it, it just was it really was that experience of okay now the music is out there now it's i don't really own it anymore now it's just kind of whoever wants to listen to it and kind of whatever they want to get out of it now right. it's available for them and that's special because like i feel like it's a balance of like when you write it and when you make it, it it seems to be like an output of your feelings, your very personal feelings. But it's good that you like let it go to other people because that's what's so special about it is that like, like Impersonator, for example, like that album could be completely different. Like it could mean something completely different to two different people. And it's good that like, you're not like, it has to, it has to feel this way when you listen to it. It has to mean like, you don't expect people to feel exactly what you felt when writing it when they listen to it and you're kind of acceptant of that when you're like giving it to them i appreciate that that's that's nice yeah yeah absolutely yeah you kind of just have to let go of like what it means to you Mm -hmm. because there's always going to be that translation into somebody else's life and they're going to have you know as we all do you're going to bring all of your experiences into interacting with a piece of music or a piece of art and it's going to be completely you know completely different than the experience that I would have with it and right. maybe it's something something about that makes me sort of less in, inclined to feel precious about music once I release it it's kind of I don't really know it as well anymore because now it's it, it takes on this whole other life when did you like first decide that you were going to put your music out? Like when you, when you were like, this is not just for me anymore. I want to see how other people react to it. Uh, the first time that I did that was in September, September or October, 2009. I put, uh, I made an album just on garage band and then I, uh, just put a media fire link to download it onto my Facebook. Uh, so that my friends could download it, and that was the first time that I ever really put released music in any way where I was like, oh, I want I want people to hear it that aren't just you know that isn't just somebody that I'm showing in my bedroom or something, but just any any of my friends can download it. That seems to be a really special moment when you decide to take that step because like like at least what it sounds like what you're saying with Dream Songs is it goes from. Like you, you don't like it feels expected that like what you do is you make music and then give it to people. There's no longer like that moment of I'm doing this for me, do I give it to others? Like if it seems like you're just automatically like, Okay, I'm making a record, I'm putting this out. You know what I mean? So like that that step seems very special to think about what made me actually want to like have other people hear this, like that actual moment. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. I feel like when I was young, before that point, I was making music and I was imagining that other people would hear it. 
it was just that I, I wasn't huh. confident enough with it to want, actually want to share it, or I didn't really even understand how that worked. It's just like, okay, I'll make the music, but at, at some point people will hear it, but I don't really know how. But it was definitely always with the idea, because I was hearing music, and right. if bands were releasing records, and I was listening to them and enjoying them, and thinking to myself, oh, wow, this is great, like, I want to do this too, or like feeling like hearing certain music and being like, this is cool, but like, I could do this. Like, I feel like I could try to do something that other people would want to listen to. So it's always kind of somewhere in there, but I think there's a big difference between imagining that other people are going to hear it or knowing that, you know, 10 people are going to hear it versus knowing that there's this audience of people out there that right. are like, oh, we know your music, we, we're expecting it, and then having that in mind when you're working on it, where you're like, oh, okay, now I know that the end, the end goal of working on this stuff is that a bunch of people are going to hear it, and I, and I know that that's going to be the case. Right. Versus just like hoping that it will be the case or imagining an audience. Do you feel that it affected your writing, like th- that thought of inevitably it's going to be heard by many, many folks? Like, do you think that affected the way that you went about making it? Uh, again, I probably had that ex- the first time that I had that experience. It affected me more than uh-huh. subsequent times, where uh, like after Impersonator came out, in particular, was made not thinking about like a built-in audience for it. It was imagining an audience it's like oh yeah this is going to be heard by people it's going to be great but not really actually considering you know not really having that as a a guarantee and then when we were making the follow up to that there was a sense of oh okay now there is this guarantee that Mm -hmm. some people will hear it and that definitely affected the way that I thought about writing music for a little while where it was like oh man I feel kind of the pressure of that like people liked what I did before and now I feel like I need to make something that they will like again right um is and it I also feel like it's different because like you don't make like pop music you know what I mean like you don't make like very simple choruses or things like that you make like intimate lyrics so I feel like there's a an equally intimate like responsibility that you might feel with writing it Whereas, like, if you're just, if you're trying, like, if your goal is, I want to make a catchy song that people can dance to, you know what I mean? Like, your, your job, when it comes to your music specifically, it feels a lot more intimate, like the responsibility there, like you're not like a father figure, but like, like you're a close friend that like, you have a bunch of these close friends or friends that are waiting to hear you with wisdom or like whatever insight it is that you provide from your music. Like, is that like a kind of pressure that you feel like when you're writing is that you're not only speaking like from yourself and to yourself, but to them as well? I, at a certain point, I just stopped thinking about that and stopped worrying about it. I think it was kind of halfway through making the album Are You Alone? Like mm-hmm. the first half of working on that, I was really concerned with, oh, you know, just all of the different aspects of what it's going to mean for writing songs, for knowing that people are going to listen to them and how they're going to receive them and stuff. And then at a certain point, I kind of just lost that and started and just 
like a very mature way to go about it do you think that people have reacted that way to this like from what you've heard special and like I said it like it feels like you're supporting yourself more on this like I said it feels like more optimistic of a record so it seems like you're happier with yourself like within the lyrics and within the music and so it it only seems natural that people would react that way yeah sorry I lost you for a second could you repeat that sentence yeah I was just saying that like it seems like you support yourself on this record like most yeah. of all and so it would it would make sense that it would feel that other people support you or that you would be able to accept that even more because you seem like happier with yourself like on this on this sound yeah 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 that's that's a really good point i de- I, I i think that's really true i um not to say that i you know have this amazing relationship with myself at this hmm. point but good and it's definitely better than it was before when I was younger and I at least have kind of clued into the idea that you know oh you know I should cut myself some slack and give myself <laughs> some love and, and kind For sure. of, um, have try to work on having a better relationship with myself and not be so self-critical and I think the, maybe the themes of the music reflected that and you know especially about my feelings with other people too trying to be more just focused on the positive things on on the ways that like I do love people and um, things like that and so yeah you're probably right that I'm just more tuned into that now so when someone is is supportive of me I can actually be like oh wow yeah I, I really feel that rather than Kind of tuning it out and being like, oh yeah, but you're just saying that. You right. Know, like, I, I'm not. I, I'm not really. It's not really how you say it is, kind of thing. That's really awesome. I. It's. It's really easy to overlook the idea of having a good relationship with yourself. 
because you are you. So like it, it can just get swept under the rug so easily. So that that's really really good. I like yeah, to that. you're not, you're you're certainly not going anywhere anytime soon. You're kind of you are you, and so mm-hmm. you get to get comfortable with who you are and try to you know be happy about that. Right. So to to ask a little more in depth on feeling better and like if I'm saying optimistic, if, if the album feels optimistic, is there a certain kind of future, whether it be musically or with your friends or whatever maybe that you like look forward to or like obviously everyone has goals, but like is there a certain is there a specific dream that you have like when you think to the to look forward? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I've always been pretty bad at answering that question. (laughs) Um, that's okay. Just in terms of thinking about the future and trying to have clear goals. Um, I mean, I think I'd like to be able to continue, you know, doing music as a career. I think that's something that, you know, I've been, I felt really lucky about so far. And, um, you know, I'm doing a new project and, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, it kind of leaves behind something that was, right. you know, what it was like, it was making, it was making money. It was sort of like successful and, and so uh, in starting a, this new thing, that's certainly like uncharted territory. It's like, mm-hmm. will, this, will I continue to be able to do this, uh, you know, as like a, as a full-time thing, which is, which is pretty cool. Right. So I'd like to be able to do that. Um, I'd like to be able to yeah, just, you know, continue to evolve as a human being. That's a good goal. <laughs> um, sorry, you were. Uh, you, I couldn't hear you there. Could you repeat it? Yeah, I just said that's a good goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a tough it's a tough one, but it's sort of that just seems like life. Right. But uh, I'd like to be able to yeah continue to do that and just try to do that well. Um, and you know, other than that, I, I don't really have any long term goals I think maybe I, I can tend to fall on the side of feeling like oh well I never know what's going to happen I, I don't I can't predict the future and so I I kind of just try to keep, yeah. uh, keep my perspective on, on the, the short term there's definitely definitely merit in that have you ever done or wanted to do anything non-musical like as a career or as a job have I ever done or wanted to do like non-musical oh uh non-musical sorry could you repeat it yeah like would you have you ever wanted to do anything non-musical career-wise or have you ever done oh uh in terms of like an actual career Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know that I have the skills or like mm-hmm. the will to actually do what it takes. I, I like, um, let me see. I mean, when I was in high school, I kind of wanted to be uh, a stand-up comic. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's something I've always wanted to do myself, actually. I think it's such a special job. It's so special. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very... Yeah, there's something really magic about it in terms of just, you know, if you're good at it, you're, you're making people laugh. I think that there's something really amazing about making people laugh. Yeah, and I feel like it's um, so, like, underrated, too. Like, because it's just a guy or a, or a woman walking on stage with a microphone just telling stories or just saying silly things but it like it's so special like it's such an important part of entertainment to have someone that like a lot of people can just laugh at or just take a break and appreciate and I like that a lot yeah absolutely and also I was thinking recently about how I admire um, really good investigative journalists Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in another in another life, maybe I would have wanted to do something like that. Right. I just appreciate the idea of kind of, um, you know, the the power that someone like that has to to tell stories, you know, in, in a different way than a, than a comedian, but tell yeah. stories that are very powerful as well. Would you ever want to? Like, you seem very uh, interested in just the output of words. Would you ever write, like, a novel or poetry, like, as a separate work? Yeah, I'd love to. One, one day, I, 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 I write poetry, and uh, I've done it for a long time. That was kind of the first creative thing that I did when I was in high school, and I was mm-hmm. really into that, and I think I... I only really got into music through that by just just writing and that and that music was interesting because I could apply writing but then set it to music. For sure. So maybe one day I would wanna do something like that, but again it's it's maybe I'm I'm still before the point that we had talked about with music where you, you get to the point where you're like, Oh, I wanna actually <laughs> For sure. Do you have any favorite uh, stand-up comedians to go back to that real quick? Um. Yeah. I. I mean, I I love Andy Kaufman. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was actually going to ask you about him more in depth because yeah. that man was just something else. Yeah. I think he just transcends comedy and, and, and you know, he also, it's like, you, you can look at him a certain way as kind of a, as like a, as a, like a joker or kind of like he's playing tricks on you. Right. But there's something also I find really kind of sincere about him as well at the same time. You can see it on him. Just, you can always see it on him. Yeah. My favorite, That's really, my favorite thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, he ha- he had this he had this bit where he went on stage, and he would just eat a bowl of ice cream for like an hour. Yeah. 
and that was okay. it. <laughs> and yeah. I, I just, I for some reason, I'm just obsessed with that. Like, I think that's just, I just think it's brilliant. Because <laughs> that's it. Yeah, he just goes on stage. He, like, puts the, the napkin in his shirt and sits down, doesn't say a word, and just eats ice cream. <laughs> and yeah, it's, like... It's incredible. It forces you to feel something. Like, you can't watch that, especially because... Because you go to, a, like, a, a comedy show and you expect to see, like, okay, this guy is going to set up a punchline and then tell a joke. But when you have a stage and you're expecting to hear, like, a joke and then this guy walks up and he does something but it's completely unlike what you thought you were going to get. It's just him eating a bowl of ice cream. Like, you have to react in a certain way. And I think that's so, yeah. so interesting to just completely change that medium. seen um either man on the moon with jim carrey or the documentary about that movie yeah i've seen both i really first of all i love jim carrey's performance of it but seeing the documentary jim and andy was just like really something else i i thought about it a lot i've watched it a couple times now and it's 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 just strange and like I don't even know where to start with it because, like, there's Jim Carrey's whole thing with all his philosophies, but, like, the fact that Andy was so the way he was to where, like, Jim could, like, channel himself like that, like, I think that is a testament to how special Andy was, is, like, how Jim could become him, like, how unique he was. And it was just bizarre. It was bizarre to watch. Like, Jim's, Jim's portrayal of Andy... Like, like Andy was such a difficult person to play that it it had to be the way that Jim did it. Like, it had to be this whole weird thing that, like, spiraled out of control. And, like, I feel like Jim's... It, it's so strange to think about. But, like, I feel like Jim's portrayal of him was, like, something Andy would have done, if that makes sense. Like, being so weird and into it and, like, crazy. And it's just this weird, like, symbiotic relationship you see between them. And it's just, like, one whole to me. It's just, it's just strange. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a good point that you have that it's, like, a testament to the depth of Andy Kaufman's, like, energy or, like, the kind of, the the depth of his character that that something like that could happen. Like, right. How many people can? How many people can be like can can summon something like that? Exactly. As a character. 
It's crazy. It's just crazy. All right, so can we dig in? Yeah, I lost you for a second there. I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. Could, could we dig into some lyrics a little bit? I've got some. I got some questions about some of the lyrics on Dream Songs. Sure. So, uh, on "By the Daylight," you say things more powerful than me control the actions in my life multiple times, and I was curious what you were thinking like when you wrote that, like. Is there a religious aspect to that, or are you just speaking on, like, in general, like, just the energies of things you can't see? I was curious what specifically you meant when you when you said that. Right. Um, yeah, I, I guess it could mean, it could mean multiple things. Um, just... Yeah, the, <laughs> it's hard to explain. I, I like, you know, it's like don't you know crush the insect because right. you know your like we go through life with so much that we are not in control of and are kind of both you know killing insects and also we are also the insects that are getting crushed right sometimes and uh something about like you know it's something about i guess like taking pity um mm-hmm. I, it, it's hard for me to answer though. I'm not really sure. I don't really have like a really quick. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. It's it's not a, it's not a quick question or a quick lyric at all. It's definitely got some meat to it. Um, it actually it made me think of uh, Radiohead's uh, "Let Down," where um, Tom York sings "Crushed Like a Bug in the Ground." Like for some reason, when I heard that, that's where my mind immediately went, and I, I kind of right. got that general feeling. Of just, yeah, and, and w- like what you said about insects, like, I'd say probably like four or five years ago, I like stopped killing insects. Because I used to all the time just not even thinking about it. Like, you see a spider in the house, you see a bug in the house, you kill it. It's invading, you yeah. kill it. <laughs> but like, one day I was like, wait, <laughs> why? <laughs> like, I get, I get that I'm conscious, and I get that I'm not a bug, and I'm not that small, and I can speak and use words and explain my emotions but like that little guy's just trying to live just as much as i am so i don't know yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean yeah for sure on that level yeah it's just like i i agree with you it's kind of like if you don't have to do that no then, you, <laughs> you know don't. maybe you shouldn't and i know that like some bugs attack and it's like all right like if a mosquito comes at me I'm not, I'm not really feeling it, but I'm not going to try it. I'm not just going to like, I don't know. It, it is murder when you think about it. Like it's not, it's hard for us to say that because it's not a human with a face and a family and like things that we can attach sentiment to, but like, it's still, it's still an actual living, breathing little thing. 
and that's just really weird to think about even though even though it's too small to see its face or whatever whatever it may be yeah and we do that yeah, with- we can all re- we can all relate to that feeling of you know what happens to us is not in our control and mm-hmm. you know we could get squashed in all kinds of ways right and so i guess the you know that like line in the song is kind of just about that feeling of yeah sort of for sure recognizing your sort of uh you know the position of just kind of just being in the world and not really having a full understanding of everything that's happening around you. Yeah. So next, um, Comedian was a very interesting song to me, especially because we were just talking about stand-up comedy. But can you yeah. ex- can you explain Comedian to me? Like, what what is it? Not necessarily simply just what does it mean to you, but like what is it saying? Because I've I've read the lyrics a lot, and I I really, I've I've spent some time with it because it's just there's a lot of things that I feel when I listen to it. But I'm curious if there's like something in your head, whether it's a story or a specific feeling that you wanted to give when you wrote it. Right. Um, yeah, that's another tough one to explain. <laughs> Um, if it's just gibberish, that's totally fine. <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, uh, it's yeah, it's like I guess something just about it's about maybe a similar thing. It's just about us as people living in the world and kind of you know who we are and what our what our position is. It's just again, that feeling of kind of not really knowing, mm-hmm. like that we we are kind of, you know, like, like an idea of like a fool or something like that. It's like, you know, we don't, we don't really know what's going on around us. We don't really know the bigger picture. And we're sort of part of something that maybe we don't really fully understand. And Mm -hmm. we are kind of like, we're mortal and we totally, you know, get, reminded of that all the time and um we we want to escape our suffering and uh, you know we're kind of i don't know i just i like the idea of like like a clown like something like a clown is is funny but it's also tragic and it, right. it seems like a really nice way of like thinking of a humanity and um so that song is kind of about that it's just kind of like a a poetic kind Mm -hmm. of way of talking about just that experience of existing and and not really understanding what it all means and and not really having a lot of control over it and um uh just kind of having this uh just like kind of like crying out with this desire. Yeah, I like when I hear it, I think, I think on that and how, how do I put it into words? Maybe like when I, when I hear a comedian died tonight beside my bed, I just think like, I think of my perspective of comedians and like exactly like I was saying earlier, how a comedian is a funny guy. Like, 
base definition of comedian is someone who stands up and tells jokes. But there are so yeah. many comedians who tell jokes that are like like hard to hear. They're very sad. They're very real. They're like comedians are some of the most honest people, even though they're doing something that's supposed to be like commercialized and like standing up. And it, it makes me think about how easy it is to question what we feel is like supposed to be happy or supposed to be sad. And that's what I got when you said like a clown who is supposed to be funny, but it's also like tragic because like just the way clowns look and the so many the implications that go along with clowns. And I just think about like maybe a happy song, like maybe a hap- a song that's completely supposed to be happy and I'll hear it and I'll be happy. And then another time I can hear it and it can just be completely sour on me and like, the definition of like happy song that I had in my head, it just doesn't apply like in that moment. And like that song comedian makes me think of that feeling of like reminding myself that everything has like double meanings and like, especially the clown. I just, I just really like what you said about the clown for sure. Like that, that the image of a clown is just like tragic, but it's supposed to be funny. And like, that's life (laughs) completely. I may have just been rambling there for a minute, but like that's that's all that I was feeling while you were talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean that that totally makes sense. That's like exactly you know that's the feeling of just you know existence is funny, but it's also tragic, and it's it's something that we're we're sort of we don't really understand, and we kind of like we sort of stumble through it in our own ways. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, we can end it here with one last question. You do, sure. you do say, and, uh, what is it? Take it easy. Yeah. You say, I know there is a purpose in me and that is a, that is a bold statement. So I'm curious, what do you feel is your purpose? Wait, sir, could you say that? What do you feel is your purpose? I don't know. I um, I don't know if I have a purpose necessarily, but I want to um, I I I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I don't yeah, I don't really I'm not really sure. Do you mean it as perhaps like cuz the way it's worded you don't say, I know the purpose in me. You say, I know there is a purpose in me. So are you just yeah. saying that you're believing in the idea of there being a reason, like there being a purpose in general? Yeah, yeah. I think of just having hope in, in just the idea that, you know, there's, you know. That's really beautiful. That we're all kind of like meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really, I don't really know exactly what that is for me. I mean, there are things that I, I'd like to do, and right. things that I, I think are, are valuable that I want to be better at. Um, but I think in that song, it's more just sort of saying, yeah, like that. It's not, you know, that there's not a void there. That's awesome. That there's, a, there's a kind of direction to to life. And it's so, it's so hard to. Because we can say that we can say I know there's a purpose, but like at the end of the day, it's like, well, why do I feel that? Why do I continue to go on? Why do I have hope in that there is a purpose? So it's very yeah. special to be able to tell yourself, like, you know what, like, 
At the end of the day, regardless of whether or not we know why we feel there's a purpose or why we continue to wake up every day and do whatever we do or why we, whatever pushes us to live, like regardless, it is there. Like undoubtedly it's there. And that's really, really something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, that purpose is there and and that sense of hope and kind of, 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 you know, of wanting to be, more together rather than you know further apart from right. you know from love and from you know like the good things in this world yeah i feel like everything you've said and like everything you're trying to say like i i read um you are accepted i i read it and like yeah. it fe- it feels like the album was made like completely like about that like everything you have said is applicable to that and it's it's really really cool to re- to read that while like listening to the album, because like that that essay just encompasses like literally everything like everything, and it's so short but it's like it it feels like the heart of what you're trying to say and it's really really cool. Yeah, that that was very inspiring to me for sure. Um, in the sense that like some of the songs I had already written when I read that and it, I just really connected with it for that reason. I was like, wow, like this is really something that has been on my mind. And I, and I read it and it kind of solidified ideas for me. And and I wrote some of the other songs after that and and they were definitely inspired by it. So yeah, I'm glad you read it and kind of like connected the dots on that one. And it's really important because I'm, I'm studying philosophy right now. Like that's my, that's my degree and like a lot of the times when you read philosophy you can get lost in that being like oh that's kind of pretentious or like you're just saying so much stuff like you're just saying so many things but like when you read something like that essay like it feels absolutely necessary to have those words like written down on a paper because I feel like what it's doing is like you said you read it and you're like hey I've been thinking those things like that's exactly what it does is it it puts into words things that sometimes I just can't or others just can't. And I think that's exactly like exactly what that essay did. There were a lot of sentences in it where I was like, oh, yeah, I've thought that in a really different, not so specific way. And it's it's just kind of yeah. like confirmation. Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, philosophy when it's when it's good is it really just like resonates with, you know, our inner selves and just what we, the way that we see the world, it really crystallizes it and it says, you know, this is, you know, this is your question or this is your, you know, wager or this is, right. you know, these are the stakes of your life and of what it means to, to live. And, it, and like, it's, it's exciting to read something that is a piece of philosophy that really like, you know, moves you to see the world in a more interesting way or in a way that, like, you know, makes you more excited about about being alive. It's just awesome. That's that's all we're trying to do is find stuff that makes us happy (laughs) to be alive more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, Dream Songs made me feel a lot of that, and... And so did talking to you. And I I appreciate, I really appreciate being able to talk to you a lot. Cool. I, you know, I I really appreciate, you know, that you're interested in talking to me too.
will surrender follow me now punish the devil pardon the clown and I This place is gone And I know there is a purpose in me And I'm getting better And I just hope you'll take it easy on me and fantasy I'm waiting for you Help me get over myself and I will be true Our final day And I know there is a God